Now entering Nerdist.com. True it with a guy named Kevin. True it and this other guy Steve. True it from the TV and the movies, and now this podcast stream. True it, they're gonna get chewy. True it, they might even get me. True it, but they're gonna get funky on this podcast thing. Mm. 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 What do you got? What are you eating? Mm. I'm eating a kind bar. Oh, really? Yeah. You literally are, aren't you? because I literally just ate Picking one. out of your teeth there. Yeah, I mean, it's in my mouth mm-hmm. still. I'm eating a partridge in a pear tree. Okay. <laughs> On the first day of Christmas, my Because it's uh, December now, you know? It's, uh, you know, we're getting there. I love it. I love this time of year. It's a great time of year. I will say, I used to not be a Christmas guy. Yeah. Why? What are you talking about? I just got blue around the holidays. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, at what age levels? Like, from when you were a little kid, or... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on like on my Dalton upbringing. Okay, but for me, uh, Christmas was a time where I grew up seeing what all these rich kids. Oh like, boy, had oh boy, and like I said, it's all relative. Like I, I still had more than most kids. Like we, yeah. you know, sure. But what I thought was that I was destitute. And okay, that, you know, we didn't we didn't have much. I mean, truthfully, my you know my parents are pretty tight pocketed. Sure, um, but. Um, it became like Christmas for me became a time where like I was just reminded of stuff that I couldn't have and also that I couldn't get for other people. Okay. Um and and so but lately since I started since I we had kids. Yeah. Christmas and the holidays are taking a whole different thing for me. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I love it. Now I love it. Yeah. This is my our first Christmas um I can't remember since when that we're not travel. All right, cuz you always go east. I always go. Oh, you're going to the grandparents. Love it. Dude, you're going to love it. Everyone's upset about it except me. Yeah, no. Everyone's mad. My wife's upset, my kids are upset, they want to travel. I'm like, I can't I can't <laughs> wait not to travel. I feel like last year at this time your wife had a shitty travel experience and was like, what was the thing when you were across the table and like you, didn't your wife at some point say to you like maybe we won't maybe it was right not to like yeah yeah no that happens every year because every year you travel you get all the kids you're schlepping over to the east coast the travel is hard the weather sucks yeah you're renting the car and you're blah, 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 you ship clothes in advance yeah and so uh, after the ordeal is over it's always like fuck it let's not go next year yeah but then see you and I we travel you know we we go places you know? right my my wife you know works here and sure doesn't get the opportunity to travel and likes to and so that's her time sure and for kids it's fun to go on a plane yeah and it's fun to go somewhere where there's winter mm-hmm. you that's know what I mean the snow and stuff like that so they're all excited about that's it true but you and I we get to, we travel around plenty and and uh, frankly I'm sick and tired of it. yeah <laughs> although the truth is this past year I really haven't traveled that much Sure. Well, I mean, you know, we went and did the Super Troopers thing. We haven't done stand-up as much, but yeah, you're right. Right. You're right. But uh, but I've traveled over the last, like, four or five years enough to to hold me off for a long time. Yeah, and yet I'm always on a plane. Even when I'm like, oh, I'm not traveling, I'm always on a plane. Sure. And I'm sorry, I, can't, I can't think of anything right now, but I know I've been on a plane several times. You'll be on a plane this week. I'll be on a plane this week, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Two days. So I'm I'm happy not to be traveling. So it's an extra love of Christmas. Okay. We'll feather the nest even more. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Feather the nest. You got to feather the nest. We got our Christmas tree. uh, Oh, you did? Yeah, two days ago. Probably got a fake one. White. Fuck (laughs) you, Heffernan. No, we got a nice tree. Oh, you did? Oh, we got a nice tree. Okay. I put the lights on. It's so so big. Yeah. 
that we actually ran out of lights. We got we have to get a new strand of lights. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every year it's the same thing. She's like, "That tree's too fucking big," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "It's perfect. Sure, it's perfect. Let's Every year it's it. fucking perfect. Sure." This year, Carlos, the uh, one who just turned four, yeah, for the Chew Crew, is uh, he's into the game of hiding under and behind the Christmas tree. Oh, okay. So um, make sure that thing doesn't fall on him. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Actually, you know, listen, I'm a big fan of like learning the hard way. <laughs> oh yeah. The, you, so you turn, you push it over on top of him. Yeah. Hey, check this out. <laughs> Thump. Yeah. Get to, this is my friend the Branchy. This is sap, and this is dirty water. Here, get. <laughs> you know, I like to find somebody. I like to push the tree over on top of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you're not anymore, are you? Oh, that's weird. Where'd Carlos go? Oh well, I can't find him. I guess he won't mind if I push this tree over. Timba. <laughs> Here's another word, Carlos. Here's a new word for you. Can you say timba? <laughs> uh, let's plug our show before we uh, before we move on. Let's do it. We got a uh, show. We got our shows in San Diego. Yep. Coming up. December 10th. 10, 11, 12. American Comedy Company. Um, in the Gas Lamp District. Yeah, we're doing five shows. Great room. Mm-hmm. Fun room. Oh, it's the best. I love that room. Um, I'm excited. But anyway, I'm excited to go back there. I'm excited for the show. We're wearing our Newsies. We got our Newsies hats on again. Yeah, we're going to wear these Newsies hats. Mm-hmm. Do a, a bit. Getting we're going to do a bit. Up. Yeah, we're going to do a bit. Uh, with these Newsies hats on. Yeah. So come down. Come down and see the show. Um, December tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Yeah. Do, now, do you think since this is American Comedy Company dot com, Kev, this is going to kick off our third tour, national tour together. Yeah. We need a new song. What do you think? Like we a, need new music. We do. You mean to play during the show? Yeah, we need some some hard driving rock Something and tough, roll. Though, right? We keep it tough, right? Well, last one we did was Rush. Yeah. I get a little tired of it by the end. How could you? How could you get tired of it? Limelight. So so what should good. we do? Some Van Halen or something? Or maybe some. AC DC. Maybe some Akadaka. Let's do some Akadaka this time. Some intro music. We need some energy. Yeah. Pump that shit up. Mm. Because music is an important element. I hope you to know entertainment. I hope you know that <laughs> that was why I talked about the music. You, I know, I know it is. I'm a fucking Segway master. I know you are a Segway master. Yeah, Segway master. Yeah, because uh, we we're talking about uh, maybe a uh, kind of a fun topic that has a lot of good stories is um, uh, going back to one of our kind of like informational behind the scenes of making movies episodes mm-hmm. and uh, talking about what it takes to put music into your movie because mm-hmm. it's a super complicated. Big business now. Yeah. It's a ridiculous big business now. Yeah. Like, uh, like I'll see a movie and I'll uh, see the music in it. And I can immediately know that they spent millions of dollars on the music. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, you go see Iron Man and every song is Akadaka. Now, yeah. I know it had a deal, but, like, what did Akadaka cost us for uh, Beer Fest? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we got a discount on it, but it was in the $250,000 a song range. God damn it. Which we, uh, we'll talk about that, but, I mean, that's, you know. And and you know there are certain songs that are out of, that are just out of like I I watched um, by the way for for all of you non Australians out there Akadaka is AC AC DC right ACDC. that's what they call it in Australia <laughs> Akadaka anyway go on uh, but I was recently um, I watched The Big Short this weekend okay which was by the way fucking great what is that movie again it's uh, well Adam McKay uh, who you know Adam McKay yeah. as the director of like a lot of Will Ferrell movies yeah. And uh, Michael Lewis uh, 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 wrote this book 
the big short. Yeah. It's kind of about the Wall Street crash and the derivatives market and all that kind of shit that happened in 2008. Well, essentially 2006 to 2010. Okay. And so, um, uh, but it's a really dense uh, kind of subject matter uh, that affected all of us, but maybe people don't really don't understand what happened. Yeah. And uh, so he tackles it in this movie, and it's amazing. Because, you know, it is a very hard topic, but he uses humor and a lot of very unconventional storytelling, uh, kind of stepping way outside of his normal comedy range yeah. and presenting it in a super smart way with a super great cast. And it's a really fucking good movie. Mm. You got a screener? Yeah. It's really good. So, yes. like, Go. I'm watching that movie, and, and uh, uh, they kind of slam the credits on at the end, and it's a Led Zeppelin song. It's when the levee breaks. Okay. Oh, I love that fucking and it's a great fucking song, and the song works perfectly. And it's you know mean something and whatever, but all I could think about is like that song slams on there. I'm like, holy fuck! Because Led Zeppelin is fucking impossible to get. Yeah, it's possible to get into your movies because it's so expensive, or because they won't both. Okay, because they won't let it, and because as a result, it's super fucking expensive. I mean, there are stories of like Karen Crow, yeah, uh, trying to get Led Zeppelin in his movies and and just not being able to. I mean, there's just ways. Of, but anyway, so they got. It. I mean, well, they don't like comedy, right? They don't do comedy. No, I, I think they just don't do movies in okay. general. And if they do, it's going to cost a shitload. And, you know, a lot of times there are publishing issues, you know, that w- which we'll get into in a second. But, like, uh, I'm sitting there, I'm watching this movie about greed, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, holy shit, that, that song has to cost a half a million dollars. Yeah. It probably cost them four to $500,000 to put this song on the closing credits. Did, did we have them in Dukes of Hazard? No, they tried to get him for the Dukes of Hazard, and mm-hmm. they couldn't get it. Because I think Gerber was trying really hard to get it and couldn't get it. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, that was a huge thing. But anyway, as I'm watching this thing, I'm this is the way I look at it now, where I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. This song cost $400,000. Yeah. And they put that because they wanted to. They needed to. That's part of their budget, you know? Yeah. But that's the hard thing about mu- music and movies is that I think people don't appreciate what a business it is and how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. And how complicated it is to get rights. And number one, it can make you appreciate someone who does it well, like a Tarantino or, or Scorsese. Like Scorsese, what was the last movie I watched his where he had like 15 Rolling Stones songs? Well, you know what I mean? I always wonder if um, he's got some sort of agreement with the Stones. Maybe. Because he has, I mean, since the beginning, since the 70s, he's used Rolling Stones, but usually it was like one song. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, like, but now. you can't get that. I mean, it's just too hard. Yeah. And even in our movies, which, uh, you know, we'll walk through some of the funny stories, but it's like music budgets are things that you don't even think about. Like music budget is the last, last thing. And for us, it was always like you spend your money putting the picture on the screen and then you don't have any money left for music. And that's the way most l- lower budget, moderate budget movies are. Yeah. Because you can't even afford it now. Like, you know, it's like the rights... To even get a cheap song, it's going to cost you fifty thousand bucks. And so, like you know, when you're making a movie like The Slam and Salmon or Club Dread or Super Troopers, even you know, it's like you don't have the money for it. Well, I, I mean, I remember like, like what was it with with Puddle Cruiser? I remember watching a cut of, and really, you know, it, it goes back to the Tinfoil Monkey agenda, the you yeah, know, the short movie. I, I bet a lot of people have seen that because of uh, you know the crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Um, I can't honestly remember the name of the of the 
you know, the, the song in the middle there, the Chalapados song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chalapados. Right. Which I've seen in a lot of things, by the way. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I'm in a dancing mood. Yeah, yeah. It's a silly song. It's a silly song. It's a silly dance song. Um, but uh, how did we get that one? Well, here's the amazing thing about about that is that um, is that uh, that's where we learned about festival rights. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because well, let me just real quick, okay? Yeah. There are multiple rights that you have to get in order to put a song into a movie, right? There, there are two sides. There's your publishing rights. Your mm-hmm. sync, they're called sync rights, and that's to put the to put the song against your picture, you got to pay a, a right, the right to license that, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second part is the master rights, which is your the the right to use the actual recording. You yeah. Know? And so there are master rights and publishing rights. Those are the two sides, and you have to pay for both of them. And sometimes, a lot of times, people will own both, but sometimes they're split off. Somebody owns one part of the rights, somebody, owns, and everything's a negotiation. And there are prices that you have to pay and usually you know you can't get away with paying less than 20 or 30,000 aside yeah you know so you're talking about like 40 dollars a song and the ways you get around it is you can do things like you can make a soundtrack deal for example and uh and that way you fold the rights into uh kind of a package deal with the record label where you use all their songs and then they get the soundtrack rights and they'll get the soundtrack money. Yeah. And that's how you can get around it. Um, so it's, it's incredibly complicated. Everything is a negotiation. Uh, every piece of song has multiple negotiations within it. And it's all very expensive. And we had no fucking clue. And so we, went to, we did the Tinfoil Monkey Agenda, which was this first half an hour film that we made. And right smack dab in the middle of it, we have the Jefferson Airplane song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. One pill makes you larger. Yeah, how the fuck do we get that thing? Well, because we were like, God, this is great. That, that, that. We had no clue. And so uh, we looked into getting the rights to the stuff, and it was a joke. It was like, there's no fucking way. You know, yeah. we made this thing for 10000 bucks. Yeah. And then what we found out was the existence of festival rights. Mm-hmm. And festival rights is a carve-out where, you know, if there's no economic benefit to you using the music, yeah. meaning... You're not pay, charging tickets. You're not getting money off of it. Yeah. Then you could cut a deal for festival rights where you just use, you license the music to use in festivals. Yeah. There's no economic benefit to you, so usually you can probably get it. Yeah. But once, if it got bought mm-hmm. or once somebody buys it, yeah. then you'd have to negotiate. Or just find cheap music. Or change the whole, or remix the movie and take all the music out of it. Yeah. Which happens too. I mean, but uh, so Tinfoil Monkey Agenda, we ended up, you know, discovering the concept of festival rights. We put whatever the fuck we wanted in there. It was a half an hour movie that wasn't going to have any commercial. Yeah. It was just a calling card for us, you know. And so that's how we were able to do it. But then we learned that the hard way because when we got to Puddle Cruiser, mm-hmm. it became a whole other animal, you know? Yeah, well, I remember, you know, watching one rough cut of the movie that had... Every classic rock yeah. hit ever made in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. And if you remember, it was also like we have a scene that is timed and acted and cut to time of the season, the yeah. zombie song. Yeah. And that was a, as a soda joke. And it was like, let's do it to the time of the season. And we, when we kind of put it into the shooting of it, you know what I mean? Not really quite knowing exactly how it was yeah. going to work out. And uh, and then it came time to fight. And I, it was funny because at that time we all did it ourselves, right? Like Rob Rachi, who who uh, has been the DP for a lot of our stuff, yeah. uh, was kind of being a music supervisor and finding us music. Mm-hmm. And it was unsigned bands and things like that. But we wanted that time of the season song. Yeah. And so we divvied out jobs to everybody. And my job was I had to call 
Rhino Records or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And uh, explore the possibility of paying nothing for the rights at time of the season. Sure. And uh, I call this guy up, and, you know, this was like, it's cliche. He was like old school, like Brill building mm-hmm. fucking guy. You know, he's like, how you doing? How's it going? What's what's up? You know, some old guy Yeah, who had, the la- who had that, you know, on his label or whatever it was. Yeah. And I explained to him our situation, and we made this low-budget movie for $200,000, and time of the season was an integral part of the scene, and... Mm-hmm. Really important to us to have in the movie, and he just fucking laughed. And he's like, "Kid, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. This is time of the season. Hey. This is the zombies. Okay, this is how we make a living in this business. All right, I'm not going to just hand out time of the season to anybody who fucking wants it. This is a classic." <laughs> and he laughed me off the phone. God damn it! And so we had to do is uh, have in the scoring. Have someone approximate that song. <laughs> yeah. But then you lose the whole... We lost the whole joke. Yeah. The whole joke of that song was lost. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah. We the learned hard, the hard way. I, uh, I I enjoyed the music selection process of Puddle Cruiser. Like, specifically... And it's funny because I just saw this artist performing on TV. But, like, I mean, you're looking, you're looking at bands who have... I mean, nobody's published. Yeah. And, uh, or if or, they are, it's an indie label. You know, a lot label. of it's an indie label, and that's how you discover people. But that, and that was the thing is, we came across that band Bus Stop, which was Ben Fold's original band. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, and uh, and did they have, they have a song in it? Yeah, yeah. They were they had a few good songs. And, well, you uh, know what the funny thing is also about it, and I can't even remember because what happened was we filled that song with festival rights, and then ultimately we we're going to sell it. And cheap rights, cheap rights. And then when we did sell it ultimately to that Canadian company, I think it was called Oasis. Yeah, Oasis, yeah. We had to replace all the music again. Yeah. And at that point, it was well after it had its run of festivals and my knowledge of it, and we ended up putting music in it that I don't even remember what the music I was. I feel, I mean, wasn't there like, weren't there songs by groups like The Shins and like Wilco and... In the original one, yeah. Well, oh, that okay. was in the in the original festival music, something like Guided by Voices and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But I, when did the bus stop thing? Was that? I mean, maybe that's the Oasis cut. Like, because we we had to come up with all kinds yeah. of. I remember we were sitting at that house we were renting. Yeah. In uh, on Detroit Street uh-huh. in, in Hollywood, me, you, and Soder lived in. Yeah. And uh, we were look, we were, we were just listening for music. Right. That's we, that's probably what it was because we, we had, had replaced it all. CDs. Yeah. And we were like, and oh, you know, what? and it, it was CDs that like it was one of those things where like a label makes a deal. Yep. And so we were allowed to choose from all of these artists. Right. Let's, we did the same thing as Super Troopers. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. then it was like, okay, let's let's find let's find just find good shit here. Yeah. And I remember there's this group bus stop. Okay. Ben Folds. Okay. First group and like, because I remember looking at it, it was like B Folds, and we're like, is this fucking Ben Folds? <laughs> right. And and like you know, so it was like an old thing. Yeah, this was his like. Okay, got it. I mean, he was there, he was already knew who ben we knew now. He was yeah, now yeah, Ben okay, Folds. Got it, got it, got it. And we saw his name B Folds, but like, but it was you know. Then it just makes you understand why he, you know he was able to you know have a career. It's like he was already talented. Yeah, and uh, you know he just had his group bus stop. Okay, it's like the Manhattan Transfer. <laughs> okay, bus stop. It was an acapella group. Yeah, but oh, we put like that song in, huh? Bus stop. Maybe made. Uh, we had a couple bus stop songs in Puddle Cruiser. Yeah. 
I couldn't tell you I one song like for, for for. Well, that's my problem. Is like I remember uh, 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 the one we toured with. Yeah, and because you know I've seen it so many times, and we put that music in, but then it all got ripped out and replaced. Yeah, when we did international rights, or a big chunk of it did, and I can't even remember what is in there now versus what's not in there now. Yeah. But like I think that's the big thing. It's like people are like, "Oh, why don't you just put a fucking stone song?" Or you know, "Why don't you do this?" Or whatever. It's just people don't understand that you can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to license the music, and when you make a movie for two hundred thousand dollars, there's no way you can do it. Yeah. There's no way you can do it. So, do you hear that, internet trolls? Not that any of the True Crew are the internet trolls, but hey, True Crew, will you turn <laughs> the speaker up to your nearest internet troll and just tell him this? Internet trolls. Anytime you're like, why don't you just do this? Or yeah. why don't you do this? It's so fucking easy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no shit. We would all love to be able to do what Scorsese or Tarantino does. I mean, yeah. everyone has music they love, but you just can't. I mean, you you spend $200,000, and then maybe you have $10,000 to do something with music, and you have to put 15 songs in. You know what I mean? And then you're... Yeah. Well, it, and, and, and a lot of times it's like, I mean, you know, we've been talking about this a little bit, like with the Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah. You know, you have a friend who's in a band, and you say, hey, can we use your music? And they say, yeah. Yeah. But there's still a label that is involved that owns. Yeah. You know, so it's not even really up to the artist. No, no. Like, they, they might have any control of it. But I don't, we can tell that story. That was kind of a weird story also, which actually led me to think about this music thing in the first place was that, you know, it's kind of a weird story that, uh, you know, as we set out to sue Super Truth to, we're friends with those guys. We're friends with Josh uh, and Jesse and and the guys from Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah, we've and, had Josh uh, on the podcast. Josh has been on the podcast, yep. And so, you know, we've been talking all along, hey, we'd really love to use one of your songs. And they're like, we'd love for you guys to use one of our songs. And and so we, we um, as we set out to shoot it, we shot the opening scene, which we've told people, I won't tell what it is, but we shot the opening scene of Super Troopers 2 when we did that shoot recently, and we incorporated the song into it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so Eagles Death Metal were awesome enough to give us a song. And so before we went and shot, we went into the studio with them Yeah, one day, and uh, re- you, you guys rehearsed the song. You played the drums. and Yeah, we wanted to learn how to play it. Yeah, so we played the bass, and Jay looked at, you know, they played the guitar, and we were in the studio and learning the song with these guys, and it was a fucking blast. Like, very rock and roll. Yeah. And I, th- I took some video of it, which will show up at some point. Yeah. And um, and then the next day, we left to go to Super Troopers. Yeah. And the next day, they left to go on their tour. Yeah. Which ultimately ended up in the the Paris incident, where yeah. we were, uh, the theater, you know, that was stormed by the terrorists, you know, which is a horrible story and, and you know, a horrible situation for them and all the people. And But it was a very strange thing because... Uh, it was like a week earlier, two weeks earlier. Yeah. We were in the studio with those guys and um, having a great time. And then all of a sudden, they're off in this terrible thing, you know? And so it was a very kind of a weird moment where it's like, oh, we got this song and we're so excited. And then greater things take over and you think you don't think about it as much. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, guys. I mean, I, was, you know, they were so excited to go. And then, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, you know, I was watching that Vice, their interview on Vice. Yeah. And it was, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting. And, and without being name droppy here, like I was, you know, as you know, I went to Troy, the guitar player for yeah. Queens of the Stone Age. I went to his Halloween party. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about the fact, like, you know, I was at, at like we were talking about on the podcast when, yeah. when Troy was on. But it was like, you know, do you get jealous when the other guys are doing stuff? And I was like, you know, he was like, yeah, all those guys are over. I, and I, I can't remember where they were on halloween 
Right. Maybe, Maybe Ireland. Oh, Ireland. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because they did something in Ireland with Duran Duran or something like that. I can't remember. They were recording a song. Yeah. Which now they have, I don't know if you know this, but they've actually... Yeah, they've released it for... All the proceeds go yeah. to, to the families of... The yeah, victims, victims and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, he and I were talking, like joking about the fact that they were gone and he was here in the States and, you know, he had just gotten back from doing a little, uh, you know, the tour that he was doing. Right, right. Um, but so then, you know, when the, when Paris happened, I, I texted Jesse because um, that day, you know, the day before they left also when we were hanging out, like, you know, we went for a walk and he, you know, he told me one of his conspiracy theories. <laughs> right, right. And then uh, I was like, you know, you've got to come on our podcast. And yeah. he was like, you got to come on, on mine. Yeah. And so we were talking about that. And so I, I texted him and just said like, hey, you know, I mean, this is right when it's breaking. Like, I hope, yeah. you know, you and the guy, you and your guys are okay. And, yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I texted Troy. I was like, you know, have you spoken to the guys? He's like, yeah. You know, I, I talked to Josh. You know, everybody's okay and everything. And like, we, you know, we talked about it. In depth, and it's just, you know, it's like, even though we're not great friends with those guys, I mean, we're still, you know, getting to know them, and yeah. but we spent some time together, and, how you know, and, and obviously there are people who are suffering yeah, legitimately, but it was, it's very, you know, it f- becomes very personal yeah. when you know people that are there. Yeah. And um, it was, to me, watching the Vice footage, there were, there were a couple of things. The footage of the shooting starting while they're on stage yeah. and everyone, like, running was... Was difficult to watch, yeah, because those guys are our friends and my yeah. friends, and and uh, and then watching them afterwards on the on the on the Vice interview, and and seeing all those guys like Julian the drummer, you yeah. know, and, and and who had had been so helpful with me, right, teaching you how to play that song, and and and, and seeing them all just like yeah, incredibly somber and emotional, and you know. And knowing those guys and their true dynamic, yeah, there was actually I, I I found it to be quite accurate and and touching how how strong they were for each other. Yeah, yeah, you could tell they were. I mean, they were friends and they're there for each other. You know. Yeah, but um, I I thought the weird thing of it was is like you hear, like I remember hearing uh, that this incident happened in this concert hall, and then you find out it was the Eagles of Death Metal concert, and you're like, holy fucking shit! I hope they yeah. got out okay. I hope everyone's okay. And then uh, you find out they do, but you don't know really the details. And then when you watch that Vice thing, and they talk, each one of them talks about them and how they tried to, and how they had to get out, and how, you know, like yeah. bullets are being shot at them, and people are dying around them, and their fans, and I mean, how harrowing it is. Like it really, you're like, holy fucking shit! I did, I had no idea yeah. until I heard the personal account uh, about what it was like inside there. Yeah, I mean, all know? those guys have it's unbelievable. Tales, the, the guy who was the sound engineer. Oh my god. His story was. I'm. I'm getting yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. Saying right now. I mean, his story is terrifying. I mean, he's at the front yeah. of the. People should go check it out. Yeah, you should check it out on Vice. Uh, um, but anyway, we 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 don't have to dwell on that so much. It's just one of those deals where it's like, you know, you're making a movie and it puts you into contact with certain people and and uh, you know working on a creative level with them and uh, you know. Anyway, our worlds are all connected. Yeah. God. Um. Downer, we got no downer here. I know we did. Well, let's, let's spin out of it. Let's let's spin let's out spin of out of this because we're talking about music and movies. But Puddle Cruiser was like an old fashioned fifties slumber party, like that you see in Greece, like Sand, Sandy and the Pink Ladies. Like mm-hmm. we had all the <laughs> CDs spread out on the floor. Yeah, we all had piles, 
And we were just sitting in the living room, just listening to music. Be like, I found one. <laughs> right. Check this out. How about this song? Yeah. And then we'd play it for the other guys and be like, yeah, it's pretty. Like, you could use this for the rugby scene. Yeah. And uh, and we'd have our little stacks. Which is fun, though. I mean, that's, that's a little bit where the Eagles of Death Metal, where we got a, we got their new album, let's pick a song that we like, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, to be honest with you, that's how Super Troopers was also. Super Troopers is, uh, we had hired these, uh, um, these music uh, supervisors, and they made a deal with this, or they had a deal with this label called TVT. Mm-hmm. And essentially TVT gave us a box of CDs and said, here are the artists that you can choose from. Yeah. And so I went through them all, mm-hmm. and that's, those are the songs we like, the Unbanned and yeah. Southern Culture on the Skids and Nashville Pussy and, and those was, bands and Bubbles? Are in there. And did you no, pick? no, that, we had to make a different deal for that one because that wasn't in, you know, German techno wasn't in there. <laughs> right? They were more Southern Rocky type of thing. Was German techno uh, expensive? Yeah, that was that was more expensive because we had to cut another deal with them. I mean, right. the TVT thing was like, you know, here, you know, and, and we were able to pull, uh, you know, literally like eight songs. And then we made a, another deal with a guy uh, named Jack. Um, 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 Johnson. Uh, no. Uh, white. Uh, black. Um, no. Uh, McBrayer. Um, uh, me off. Um, <laughs> no. Um, it wasn't Jack. God, I feel terrible now that I'm not remembering it. But he did. He did like Big Bear. He's Iron Tough. Big oh Bear, man, I love that song. Bear. Oh yeah, we were friends with that guy. Yeah, and he gave us like two or three songs. You callous and motherfucker. Then, uh, well, you tell me what his name. His name's Jack. But I didn't work closely with him. You callous. Uh, he was more of a J friend. But I, by the way, I'm glad you put your newsies hat back on. Thanks, bro. It was uh, often. It was but bloody. we did that. But then the uh, awesome, uh, the other awesome thing was that TVT and these music uh, musical guys had a relationship with 38 Special. Yeah, and so Thirty Eight Special, uh, uh, they said, "Hey, uh, uh, their manager got put in touch with this music supervisor, and they said, hey, 'Hey, they're they're looking to get into the world of scoring movies.'" And it came back to us, and of course, I'm like, I'm like a Thirty Eight Special fan. Yeah, right. Like I went Thirty Eight Special concert as kids. You You're know, like, a fan of Southern guitar rock. I love it, and Thirty Eight Special. I love Thirty. I always loved Thirty Eight Special. Like so much so that on your poolside barbecue mix. Mm-hmm. We always hear what like hold on loosely or yeah, like sure or Mr. caught up Saturday in you night. and I got them all in there. Hey, which is the other one? Caught up in you, hold oh, on loosely. In, yeah, chain lightning. You know, there's sure. all kinds of the old, the older ones. And so, um, so I'm like, holy fuck, yeah, let's do it, you know. And uh, and I remember uh, they sent us their new CD, which was this is what I don't know, two thousand, right? So it's you know, yeah. It's not the classic. There's a, a new Third Day Special CD. Yeah. And so I, I made a point of listening to it. Yeah. And a couple songs that I, that I liked on there. Just because I wanted to hear what new Third Day Special sounded like. Sure. Know? And so I made a point of listening to it. And then, and then uh, so we get onto the conference call. Yeah. Third Day Special's on the phone. And I'm like picking shit, you know. I'm so excited. And we're talking and, and we're all on the same page. And uh, yeah, we're looking for something like this, very guitar driven, uh, something that has a smoky the bandit feel, blah blah blah. blah. And um, and one of the guys in it ends up being Danny Chauncey. Is it Danny Chauncey or Donnie Barnes? Somebody on the other end of the phone is like, "Now, what uh, what kind of song can you point to from our uh, repertoire that you know you guys are looking for?" You know, and then you know I threw out like a, a bunch of the uh, mm-hmm. fucking a bunch of the you know hold on loosely the old one you know yeah. And and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about off the new album. Oh, yeah. So they like, 
They fucking they were put you. on the spot. They cornered you. They wanted to see. Yeah. And so everyone looks at each other because nobody in the room knows the new album. Yeah. Except for me. What's up, Heffernan? Right. And so without missing a beat, for, for I was Mr. like. Mr. Saturday Night. It's Mr. Preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, without missing a beat, I was like, you know a track I love? Deja Voodoo. Okay. And uh, we're really looking for guitar like that. That's what I'm talking and about. And so I was able to, I was lucky enough that I listened to it that I threw out a song. And it's a great song. Yeah. And it is on my barbecue mix. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, it's the first time I'd ever heard it. Yeah. And so uh, they're like, okay, yeah, that's a great one. And, and luckily we, we made it through the, the interview with them uh, and, and were able to think. And so anyway, Jay and I flew down to Atlanta. Yeah. And we met the guys in like a hotel conference room. Yeah. Sucked their dicks. Sucked their dicks hard. <laughs> is that the first joke we've told all day? Literally yeah. and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are the best. And, um, and uh, we, we uh, went to the movie, scored it together. It was just us and 38 Special fucking hanging out. Yeah. And they ended up writing us an original song, mm-hmm. Trooper with an Attitude, which yeah. I think people know from the yeah. opening scene of Super Troopers. And uh, it was a dream come true for me that I got to hang out with those guys, and they ended up scoring and then writing songs. We should the get them thing. to write another song. For it would us. be great. I mean, it was fun because I don't know if you remember. We went. You remember? We went and I saw remember. them. I remember. I remember. Yeah. And um, we went and saw them with the House of Blues. Uh, yeah. Maybe a year or two after Super Troopers came out. Yeah. And um, and it was a success, and people were big fans of it. And I remember walking into the uh, into their backstage, into their green room. Yeah. And you know it was it was not you know green rooms aren't glamorous so people think it's glamorous not the guys are changing their clothes and shit you know yeah but I remember walking into that green room and they all turned around they're like Farwa yeah and I was like fucking sweet thirty eight special well that's the funny thing that's the funny thing is because like that I, I I have a few memories of that yeah nobody had seen the movie yet this I mean like they had they had been, they had watched rough cuts to uh-huh. you know to score the movie or you know like to like to look at it and yeah um. This was the beginning for us of learning that Farva was a legendary character. <laughs> right. And for the rest of it, we just had to sort of grin and bear it. Because, like, I remember that was one of my first tastes. I remember, like, I remember, like, uh, that there. And also, we went to a dinner with the guys from Stuff Magazine. Uh-huh. You know, who were planning on doing the party for us. And they were, they were going to do a piece on Super Troopers. And this is, you know, this is pre-Sundance. Yeah. But people had seen the movie now. And, right. uh, and so, but in both cases... It was a situation where people were like, you know, hey, nice to meet you. Oh, you, yeah, you were good in the movie. And they'd be like, but you were awesome. And like, <laughs> dude, like, come on, have a poker face. Like, we're all be here. fucking diplomatic. Like, that's. We're all here. That's gonna, I'm going to feel that one. Okay. Okay. But like, uh, but I remember, like, which Van Zant is the singer now? Uh, it's Donnie. Donnie Van Zant. Yeah. I remember, I don't know if he lost his voice or. Yeah, he well, he was in that preserved. situation where he was losing his voice and he was trying to preserve it. Yeah. For their tour. But I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And he just, like, Pointed at his vocal cords yeah. and like made an "I'm sorry" shrug, yeah, and walked away. <laughs> right. and I was like, you "Fucking just big you got time, it. Me. You got it. You got to do that. It's big time, man." One of my favorite memories, though, was uh, remember the rap party. Of we were in New York, yeah. yeah. Not the rap party. I'm sorry. It was the premiere night. Okay. And we went. Uh, we did oh. it in a theater in Chelsea on Twenty Third Street. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we had this party in a nightclub. Yeah, over in the in the warehouse district over by Chelsea. Yeah, and I remember going over there. And Thirty Eight Special was at the party. Yeah, and I remember I was hanging out with my parents or whatever, and my friends, or whatever. And then at one point, I just got up and went over because like they they had like a couch area. Sure. And Thirty Eight Special was all hanging out there. Yeah. And I sat there, and they're like, "Come on, man, sit down." And I sat down right in the middle of Thirty Eight Special 
with a fucking bottle of whatever. Whiskey. And we were fucking hanging out in a nightclub, drinking and laughing, and I was sitting in the middle of 38 Special. Will you make me a promise? Yeah. Um, will you... At the rap party, or no, the premiere party for uh, Super Troopers 2. Will you wear your Newsies hat, <laughs> please? You like that, don't you? You know, Kev. It's becoming the, my podcast hat. But, Kev, here's the thing, though. These, you know, in success of, of this bit we're going to be doing in San Diego, yeah. these Newsies hats potentially are going to become a big part of our lives for the next two years. <laughs> sure. I mean, sure. Like, by the end of this, first of all, do you think. Yeah, we'll be able to. We'll hold these things for the whole time. Oh yeah, we're not going to lose these hats. But like, I, I'll hold on to them. But like this, <laughs> but by the end, by the end of this thing, like these hats are going to have sentimental value. Or do you? Oh think, yeah. Or do you think you'll be fucking sick of them? No, no, that'd be great. They'll be like sweat stains on them and shit. <laughs> I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna wear my newsies hat out any time we go out on tour. Mm, I don't want you to lose it. I'm not going to lose it. You okay. know me. Straight as an arrow. Sober as a bird. Okay. One more uh, Super Troopers uh, music story. Okay. Remember, um, so one of the one of the bands that we put in uh, from the TVT record label was the Unband. Yeah, and they have two songs in the movie. They have Pink Slip, and the opening song, uh, which is um, the cha- opening chase song. What's yeah, the fucking Jeez name? Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise, right? And so uh, they remember they came. You know up, what you suck at, Kev, is memory. Yeah, memory I, I think I'm nice. getting worse and worse at it. But. Okay, go. But remember, we um, we had that big party at at the stuff party at Sundance. Yeah. And they played that party. Yeah. And they were a real hard rocking band. But wasn't there like, oh wait, you, wasn't there something about they didn't, was it they were so wasted they had no idea? Yeah, that's, my, that's where I was going. Oh, okay, was that okay. they, had, they had no idea who we were. Right. I'm sure they hadn't seen the movie unless they, maybe they came to a screening that night. I don't know. But it was the kind of thing where like, they weren't like a well-known band, but they fucking rocked. We yeah. put a couple of songs we in their them. album. And I think people love those songs. Yeah. And they're probably the biggest exposure those guys have had. Right? Yeah, I would. I I would think so. But at the time, they couldn't have given a shit about us at that party. <laughs> no, but that was also like, honestly, that was one of the best parties I've ever been to. Yes, and I was glad to be the guest of honor. Yeah, but because uh, you know, I mean, this it was like a ski chalet. It's like three or four stories. Yeah, balconies on every floor, packed with celebrities. Right, and live music in the middle. Of one of the floors is a fucking band who's rocking out hard, and and they were wasted. They were so wasted. Like, remember the guitar player was just like, he was fucking wailing on that guitar, but he was wa- like, I don't even know where he knew where he was. Yeah, like you, but you could like, you could tell like the singer, like you'd smell the fucking whiskey <laughs> off the right. stage, and like they were just they were wearing leather. Yeah, they were wearing, <laughs> and they were just pound, like pounding whiskey, and mm-hmm. like they were fucked up. They were fucked up, but they but rocked. They rocked. Those, I mean, those. Those two songs, certainly. I mean, I, I, I don't remember the other songs in their album, but those two songs well, fucking we were fucking awesome. We were also busy being Star Trek. I mean, remember we met Patrick Swayze that night? Yeah, uh, we did. And had a wonderful time. We did. We and, did. Uh, and the Unbanned. Yeah, I remember you know met Daphne Zuniga that night. Okay, right. Right. I did not do anything with her, don't no. worry. I wasn't going to say didn't anything Zuniga? Crass. No, but I, me- I remember like uh, Zuniga got into our party, and then they didn't want to let me into the party that down below. And sure. Then, some I'm the star of the movie. N- no, but you know what? It's one of those things <laughs> where like a terrified handler. Yeah. And this is just it, you know like I say this in t- like the PR people, public relations people are terrified. I say terrified handlers because they are used to there are a few bad apples out there. Yeah. Who ruin the whole batch. Mm. There are some stars, some, you know, actors, musicians who are a nightmare. 
right and have ripped people an asshole and so these people are suffering some for, from some form of PTSD yeah and uh they will like literally if like there's something that e- goes wrong in your routine they will almost cry for in front of you right and uh, that was the case. I couldn't get in the party, and, and some fucking PR person came up and like started ripping the door guy and asked. I was like, "Do you right. know who this is?" And, and I was like, "It's cool. Right. It's cool. It's totally cool. It's right. cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's right. cool. It's cool. It's cool. Right. It's cool." Don't say, "Do you know who this is?" Yeah. <laughs> no, because I didn't say, "Do you know who I am?" Yeah. Do you know who no. This is? no. I'm the guy who's in this movie that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. You ever heard of Super Troopers? It's playing at the Egyptian Theater tonight. No, never heard of it. Well, you will, Mister. Yeah. Do you even know who's what party this is? Stuff Magazine for what? Movie. I don't um, know. Beats me. Fuck. I don't know. One don't of know. the Sundance movies. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, uh, Patrick Swayze movie? Uh, Daphne <laughs> Zuniga movie? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm in it. Uh, who are you? Yeah. I'm Steve Bobby. Yeah, and you, uh, that's your character's name? Or what are you, you big part? You an extra? What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? It? You singing it? You, you, you know I could kick your ass, right? Anyway. Okay. Um, so, okay, so uh, Club Dread was also that situation, though, where, uh, same situation. We were made a deal with a label. Mm-hmm. And they gave us a chunk load of, of uh, a chunk load, a chunk load of shit. Listen, that's the that's the that's the G rated version of a fuckload. Yeah, he was a chunk load, and, uh, and basically you know because it was a trademark that shit. After this podcast, when we're done recording podcast. Go and get your lawyer on the phone and copyright. That. I don't think I made it up. Chunk load. If you don't, I'm gonna fucking okay, snake you. Give well. me a chunk load. Yeah, uh, but uh, because it was an island movie. By we, the way, yeah, that's also a nickname uh, I'm gonna nickname you that for one of our movies one of your characters gotta be named Chunk Chunkload Chunkload okay I'm with yeah. it I'm okay with it. I'm down okay go uh, because it was a, kind of an island uh, resort thing we made a deal with a reggae label yeah and they gave us all this reggae mu- music you know it was Jimmy Cliff and Toots yeah. and the Maytals and and so there are two components which we talked about recently we just talked about it yeah. there are two components there was that label music mm-hmm. and then there were the Coconut Pete songs yes and the Coconut Pete songs were, uh, uh, well, basically, uh, we took Bill Paxton's character, and originally it was like a, like a Mr. Rourke businessman, right? Yes, his name was Laszlo Fox. Laszlo Fox, yeah. And we're reading, and it was like, this is kind of boring, and uh, let's try to have some fun with this guy, you know? Who would, who would own a resort like this? And we're, we came to it as more of a Jimmy Buffett kind of guy. Yeah. Who loved the beach life, and he was kind of retired and a little bit washed up, but loved to have... Hot young girls at his resort, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of the reason it was built. Yeah, we were thinking like Sammy Hagar's Cabo Wabo. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, so let's go in that direction. But if you do that, then you, this guy has to have a background. This guy has to have a resume. And we started uh, listening to a lot of Jimmy Buffett and, and writing Jimmy Buffett-esque songs. Yeah. And coming up with albums. And it was a fucking blast. To well, create Coconut Pete. I, I remember, um, yeah, Coconut Pete was great. I remember, like, sitting down. We were all in a hotel room. Yep. And we were coming up with the lyrics for, you know, Toki took me to a... Yeah, to Naughty Cow. Naughty Cow. Naughty Cow. And we were, like, we had the, st- like, the stone crab we were laughing about. Yeah. And, like, yep. we were laughing our fucking asses off. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one, I remember, like, coming up with She's a Coming, She's a Blowing. Yep. Uh, well, there's a uh, wait. Naughty cow. She's a coming. She's a blowing. Yeah. Pina Pleasure Island. Pina Cloudberg. Yeah, later. Pina Cloudberg. Yeah. Pina Cloudberg uh, took the place of she's coming. She's blowing. In the movie. Yeah. Okay, but they are both available on the new soundtrack. Yeah, she, yeah she's coming. Blowing is on the soundtrack, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
and um, and uh, and Pleasure Island, which was you know his big hit, and that's what he named his. He pours himself a shot of tequila. Right. Um, yeah. The uh, and just to shamelessly plug this, we finally uh, have those songs available. Yep. Coconut Pete's great. Take another hit. Coconut Pete's <laughs> the best of Coconut Pete available at the Broken Lizard merchandise store. Store.brokenlizard.com. Store. Store. But if you go through the movie, you also you'll see there are little pieces of like old albums and and songs and things like that. And it was just a blast creating that stuff. And then the other fun part was get going into the recording with Bill. Yeah. And because he's not a great singer. But he has a very... You can say that again. Well, I'm saying he's a, he has a very distinct voice. Yeah. He, has a, he has a voice with a lot of character. And, uh, and, and that's what it was. And, and we had a great time with Nate Barr, and we recorded those songs. Yeah. And uh, it was a blast. And then uh, he played them in the thing. And then, and then what happened was we came back, and we cut that montage to She's Coming, She's Blown. And it was a little too soft and too wistful for a point where the movie was kicking in. Yeah. And so we wrote Pina Colada Berg, and that was after we shot the movie. And right. then, uh, uh, and then he came in and we re-recorded Pina Colada Berg and put that in there, which was a funny experience in and of itself. Yeah, because he was, it was fun because we had become such good friends with them and so close with them um, that you were very comfortable. We were very comfortable with each other, and he had after after Club Dread, he went and he did a movie with like Orlando Bloom or something like that. I think it was a, a movie in like Haiti or something like that with Orlando Bloom or the Caribbean somewhere. Might Juliet Binoche have been in that movie? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But so he came back from that and we were in post production and he came in and recorded in the studio and it was just funny. We were in Nate Barr's studio and he walked in there and he was <laughs> like Nate had lit some candles yeah. in order because I think, I think there's a rug that got fucked up and so he was like trying to get the smell out of it or and and Bill just fucking threw a shit fit. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck are all these candles in here, man? Yeah. You know the paraffins that puts out in there? <laughs> I gotta, how am I going to sing with all the fucking paraffins in there? <laughs> and we just laughed, and we just started fucking tooling on him. Well, there's something about he started the, laughing. There's something about the sound studio that seems to bring out the fucking dorkin people. It brings out the diva in people. Yeah, because like, like Mike Weaver. Yeah. And I can't remember why we had... Maybe it was just for some ADR. <laughs> yeah, it was we for had, ADR. We yeah. had him in for something, but he's also a musician on the side, and he recorded a couple of CDs, which we've given yep. plenty of shit about. Yeah. But uh, he came in to do the ADR, the additional dialogue recording. Yeah. And he was complaining that he had something called studio legs, because <laughs> he'd been right. recording for the, the past <laughs> right. week. And what studio legs are is that he's down like in kind of like a Ted Nugent... Not a squat, but like a, what do you call it? Like a like a, like a thrusting lunge? position, a lunge, a, a lunge, lunge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a genuflect type because he's singing right. so fucking hard, right? And he's been like that, you know, twenty four seven for the past seven, mm-hmm. and so his legs are just shaky. Yeah. So he's like, "Yeah, I got studio legs." <laughs> I'm like, "What's studio legs?" He's like, "When you know, when you've been you've been rocking out so hard, you've been on your feet singing and lunging, and right, your legs are just shaking." We're like, "Fuck, shut the fuck <laughs> up, do your fucking dialogue and get out of here." It ain't digging ditches, pal. Yeah. But so, yeah, that was the, the curious thing was that yeah. Fox Searchlight wouldn't release. Well, that's the upshot. Yeah, that that uh, that I, I told us a couple weeks ago, but we were in the edit. We were in the sound mix, and uh, the music supervisor said, okay, we've, we've solidified the soundtrack deal, and the soundtrack's being pressed. And I was like, oh, well, I, I, nobody contacted me for the Coconut Pete songs to get them onto the soundtrack. He's all, oh, well, they're not going to be on the soundtrack. And I was like, what? Yeah. What, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. 
I mean, that's the reason why people buy it. No one's going to buy it for Toots and the Maytal. I mean, they love that, but they'll go get a Toots and the Maytal album. <laughs> I forgot. We did just talk about this. Yeah, we did. But, like, nobody's going to buy it for that. They People will buy it for the novelty of having those Coconut Pete songs, which were funny. Jimmy Buffett knockoff sung by Bill Paxton. Yeah. But in some kind of ridiculous decision, they decided they would not put them on the soundtrack. Sure. And I was shocked at that and annoyed by that. And because it's also, it's a financial thing, too. Like, you write those songs and you get a little dough off that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, they didn't put them on there. Yeah. But the Club Dread thing, that was a time where we realized that you could make extra money if you wrote the songs. Yeah. Because of the licensing process. Yeah. Right? Like, I like I did that, uh, I did a movie with Langell called Preaching to the Choir. Yeah. And I wrote a song, and I got ripped off by the by the music people in it. Fuck. Even though I wrote the fucking song, like I wrote this song, and uh, I mean the 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 short version is that it's about two brothers, and one of the brothers is a hip hop artist, and one is the head of a gospel choir, and yeah. the two worlds collide. You know, yeah. it's a pretty good movie. People check it out. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. And so um, you're in it, in the best scene in the movie. Uh, I got cut. Our scene got cut, which is crazy because it's the yeah. best scene in the movie. It was the best scene in the movie. I got cut. And so um, basically, what happened was I uh, in the script I wrote this rap song that the hip hop artist sings. Uh, it was called uh, Big Bag of Weed. <laughs> right? And I remember the, that. And the gist is, it was like, you know, going to get me a big bag of weed, going to smoke it till my eyeballs bleed. You know, it was like this whole fucking hardcore sounds weed hardcore. song. Sounds hardcore. And of course, in the movie, what happens is like the gospel uh, choir puts on one of his albums and it's that song and it's so offensive and all the old ladies hear it and they're like what is this you know whatever but anyway so uh, uh, the director and the and the music supervisor uh, really liked it yeah. so it was like let's blow it out and and record have the guy record it yeah. so we can so we can play it who was the director of that movie again? Uh, this guy Charles Randolph Wright okay and so um, uh, so anyway so this music supervisor who was a very established songwriter, uh, kind of an R&B woman, who I won't say her name, but she was very uh, well-known in the music industry. Yeah. And huge resume. And um, so uh, she was like, I'd never really met her before, and it was set up that I go to her office. Yeah. I mean, she's written, like, tons of R&B songs. Sure. I go to her office, and together we will work it out. Okay, it's like you and Anita Baker. Uh, yeah. It's it's of that ilk. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so I remember going like to the Brill Building. I think it was, uh-huh. and she had her recording office there. Yeah, and uh, and we went, and I had already had the lyrics into the script, you know. So she took the lyrics, and it was funny because now I'm writing "Big Bag of Weed" with this woman. Sure. And she's like, oh, I dig that, you know. I'm like, oh, mm. let's do this, and, and and we were working on lyrics together and whatever. When we finished, we wrote the song. And then um, uh, later it came back where they were negotiating the licensing deal. Yeah. And uh, they were giving me like 1% of the, of the rights, and she was taking everything else. 99. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I, like, I came up with a song originally, and I wrote the song, and we got in a fight. Like, she was like, fuck that. I'm, I'm the established person. I wrote the song. And I was like, it's in the fucking original script. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, this ended up being a big fight, and uh, we negotiated out where I got, like, whatever, 40% or something like hey. that. And uh, it never went anywhere, but <laughs> but it was, like, a moment of, like, uh, me getting ripped off as a songwriter. Dude, man, that's the age-old story. Terry Knight laughing sure. all the way to the back. Sure, big I was bag a of black weed. hat. 
Where the black hat all the way to the bank. That's, That's what happens, though, right? Terry Knight. Um, Beer Fest was a much more wide-open process, though, because Beer Fest, well, we actually had a budget. The club yeah. Thing yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is, it was just funny, because then we wound up joining like the music industries, like, like what, APCA? Yeah, like, BMI. We, were, we joined BMI. ASCAP and BMI. ASCAP, yeah. I'm still a member yeah. of ASCAP. Yep. Those are the licensing. Those are the ones who chase down the money for you, basically. Yeah. They chase down your royalties. Yeah, we get a, we get a royalty check. Yeah. Yep. Not a big one. Yeah, but we got it. Every once in a while, I'll get one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same way as Slam and Salmon because we wrote, we put that song. Well, actually, I think Soda ended up getting credit for it. But Slam and Salmon was that funny thing where it's like, yeah. Uh, again, no money. We made a deal with the soundtrack, but in the movie there were two scenes that had like big songs that we wanted. Like, there's the scene uh, where Soda kisses Kobe mm-hmm. Smalders, and the, and the camera spins around them. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we had a hard time cutting it because you had to have the right song because it's supposed to be sappy, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so I'm with the editor. And I'm like, let's, put, let's just take the fucking sappiest song and then we'll lay it in and we'll cut it to that yeah. and see if it works. And so we uh, did Open Arms from yeah. Journey. And so we just laid it in and all of a sudden it fell into place. Like, all it just edited, like it fell fucking into place. And yeah. we're like, holy shit. And it was clear it was funny and it worked and whatever. And um, and then what happens is you get to the point where you have to buy the rights and you can't pay for that yeah. song, and so the guy scored it <laughs> close to the sure to rip it off, but it didn't have the same it didn't have the same thing as when Open Arms comes on yeah know? and then then the other moment was at the end in the end credits where we we paid homage to Rocky Three yeah. Where you know the Leroy Neiman painting comes up, you know it fades into that, and we have my brother do the painting, yeah. and and it fades into that, and it's when Eye of the Tiger starts playing from yeah. Rocky Three, and we had it in the rough cuts and the screening cuts and the festival, whatever it is, but we couldn't pay for, yeah, couldn't pay for it, and so we had to, <laughs> yeah. So instead, we wrote uh, a ripoff instead of Eye of the Tiger. Cry of the cougar. cougar. Yeah, but remember, like, the, and the way that came about is we were, we were hanging out riffing, and we yeah. were like, why don't we just change it to the cry of the tiger? Right. But apparently that might have been too close that we went cry of the cougar. Yeah. But cry of the tiger would have been fucking hilarious. It would have been great. Yeah. But we went cry of the cougar, and then uh, we went and hired this guy who was actually, <laughs> he's now like the the, the new lead Five, singer. Do you remember the group is that sings cry of the cougar? Earthcock. Earthcock. <laughs> Earthcock, right. Yeah. But the uh, the new uh, he was the lead singer of like the new version of Ambrosia, the band Ambrosia, mm-hmm. and so he had that very kind of like eighties kind of feeling to him. Yeah, and we we the composer contacted this guy, and he came into the studio, and then Soder and I uh, we did Cry the Cougar, which was a fucking blast. Yeah, and it's because it's fun, just fun writing comedy songs. You know? Yeah, God. and fully blown out. You know, it's like the there we had a full thing going, and the the guy was a, had a great voice. And we just laid it down, cry the cougar. Dude, you laid great. it down. You just laid it down it in the studio. Great. Had studio but it was the example of two times where if you only had the money, you would have a better product. Sure. You know, I mean, you'd have the product that you've envisioned, but you you can't get to that. Yeah, but it's like, but I would venture to say that, like, you know, coming up with Cry of the Cougar. I do not. Fr- from a comedy standpoint. Yes. The one, the one thing I, I, I get stricken by is, like, you know, going back to the Eagles of Death Metal thing. Yeah. Was like, we went in there, we practiced a song with those guys for, you know, a, a, a bit of the afternoon. They, yep. You know, they uh, certainly taught, you know, I, I, Josh and, and Julian showed me the drums, like, all the way through. Yeah. 
And then, you know, when we got out to Massachusetts, we had to practice again. And we had all kind of forgotten. Right, right. And so. Because you didn't practice in the meantime. Well, I had been practicing my ass off, but it's like sure. still like you're doing it without a drum set. Right. And, you know, and then there's a different drum set on the set. Sure. But like we had. Uh, like I could hear you. Like our, we had adjacent hotel rooms. I could hear you practicing through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I would practice. I had my drumsticks with me. And I asked for the fattest drumsticks. Right. Like Bonham. Sure. One of those big, like, sledgehammer drumsticks. Sure. And um, I remember that, you know, we had a local band came, White Dynamite. Right. Okay. Guys from White Dynamite showed up to, to help us uh, practice the song. And uh, we did a, a number of takes. Um, Soder and Stolhansky and I, you know, like Jay was, you know, he's, he's the director, so he was busy hopping out all over the place. Um, but the three of us, the rhythm section, correct, um, would play the song. Yeah. And we would actually do it. Uh huh. Sound like shit. It actually didn't. And it was sweet <laughs> because, like, that song that we were playing starts with a drum, a little, a quick drum beat. Right. And so it's like, We'd ha- it'd come over the the stereo, goes you know I don't give away, but like, and then I would kick into it, and then we would just start playing it. Yeah, and then they'd turn the music off, and we would we would play it. Right, right. And it made me really want to be a fucking rock star. <laughs> it's so sweet. Being a fucking musician is sweet. It's better than comedy. It's way. That's better, why you dude. keep writing songs. It's way better. Um, I would say Beer Fest is the is maybe our only movie where we got a lot of what we wanted. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't have to sacrifice music budget. And part of it was because we made it with Warner Brothers. And, and, All of it. And, uh, it, well, yeah, and, and part of it was money. Yeah. Part of it was, you know, we had set aside the budget that we could pay for X amount of music. And then at the same time, it was the, the power of Warner Brothers and making the movie with them that allowed us to mm-hmm. get cheaper rights for different things. Um, but, you know, we went through that movie and we just packed it with tunes. Yeah. Whatever we wanted. And then, you know, we would go back, and then we had to make fight the battle. So, for like example, like, I remember, like, we did the montage, and we're in the editing room, and I was like, let's just cut the montage to ACDC. Yeah. Have a drink on me. It's the perfect song. It starts slow. It kicks in, and then it settles in. It's perfect yeah. for a montage. And it, it's appropriate. Yeah. And it was like, we'll never get it. I was like, fuck it. Let's just cut it to it, and we'll see how much we like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was perfect. Yeah. And we loved it. Yeah. And we did that through the movie. Uh, and to the point where it was ridiculous. Like I remember our friend Fred Wolf. We had a we had a friends and family screening where we got notes from people, and he came. He's a director. And he at the time he was directing that movie House Bunny. Yeah. And uh, he did movie Strange Wilderness. Directed the movie Strange Wilderness I was in. And um, and he came, and he was doing his movie at the same time. And he was, I remember at the, he he revealed to me like halfway through the movie, he got so angry because he's like, the music in this thing's so fucking great. How can you <laughs> fucking pay for this music? Yeah. And the, we had, like, the Ramones in there mm-hmm. and the replacements and all this shit. And, and then he realized by the end of the screening that it was all bullshit, that yeah. we, it was just the music we put in and nobody had dealt with the rights yet. You yeah, know? yeah. And that's the case. You know, that's but the beauty is we got into the room and, you know, some people dropped out. Like, like the replacement, we had a replacement song in there. And Paul Westerberg, is that the guy's name? Yeah. I guess has alcohol problems. Right. And they didn't want their song associated with the movie Beer Fest and they yeah. pulled it out. Yeah. And um uh but that's what opened the door uh for well so so anyway so we put it in and then uh we still needed that one song for your uh, eulogy, eulogy yeah. into the thing. 
And I remember, I, I, I think you were in the room, but it was me and Stephen Baker, who was the um, yeah, new supervisor, and Jay. And we were all in the editing room. And we were going through the songs, he's like, I can get this for our, the price that we have, and I can get that for the price we have, and we can try this. And then he was like, ah, I, I can always get poison. Every rose has a thorn. Yeah. And we were like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. And Jay was like, what's that song? And But we were like, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait a minute. And he goes... We, we can get every road as a thorn and put it into the scene because it's perfect. It's so melodramatic. Oh, it's you know the I mean? for the, It's a perfect song. And and I remember us being like, fuck yes, fuck yes, let's get it. And so he, he, the guy was able to go and get that song. Yeah. But ultimately what we did was we, we filled it out and then with Warner Brothers, we went into a room yeah. with all the executives and the head of the studio mm-hmm. and basically we went down the list and he's like, here's what I will get for you Yeah. and here's what I will not pay for. Yeah. And at the top of his list that he wanted was ACDC. Yeah, well, that was the thing. It's like, <laughs> which was fucking great. Like, I feel like I, I feel like they went through in chronological order of, in the movie. Yeah, and that like I remember when we got to the ACDC. Well, I, me- I remember they got to the poison. Yeah, and he was just like, he's like, yeah, he's like, we got to have that one. Yeah, and then we got to the ACDC, and he was he was like, oh yeah, yeah. we have to because he's sitting through the he's, he has sat through the screenings, yeah. the test screenings, and the dude knows where the music works and 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 he's like we have to have that song yeah and that song cost like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars yeah and you're like <gasps> like that's what we made puddle cruiser for yeah you know what i'm saying to put it in perspective of what these these songs cost yeah but, you know what i mean yeah and the interesting thing about, about that one was that you know frankly and I, we, we might have told the story before but like when he had watched the original rough cut like music is such a significant part it is yeah of a film and it goes like literally even in test screenings you know, you, we'll put up a movie, and it'll get like a, you know, it'll have a, cer- score, a certain yeah. score yeah, of very goods and excellence, because it has like, you know, the, it isn't edited perfectly, it's a little long, the music isn't, isn't right. Yeah. Literally, we've had ones where it's like, we just do a music pass, right. and change the music, put and whatever score you jumps like five yeah. to ten points. Yeah. And, and they know that. And they do know that, but yeah. you always forget. And yeah. so like, he had watched, he had watched a rough cut by himself, yeah, and had said... Looks like this is going to be the first one going straight to video, mm-hmm. and then we had the test screening and it fucking crushed. Yeah. yeah, and so then with that swing, we went into that. You know, also we were in uh, full speed ahead, releasing this thing yeah. in the theaters. And he, knew, I mean, and that it just there are certain songs that you know. Like I, I, I vividly remember we were at the premiere at the Chinese, wherever it was. I think it was the Chinese, yeah. man's Chinese, right? Yeah. And he's sitting behind me, the head of the Warner Brothers studio, sitting behind me. Yeah, and that. ACDC moment comes up and the music starts and I'm chugging that giant vat of beer yeah. and it's a great fucking moment and he leaned forward and he patted me on the back yeah. at that moment in the movie mm. and I was like yeah because he knew and he was like I'm going to pay for this fucking song because it's yeah. that good Yeah. yeah. and some, some things went by the wayside you know some of the songs like the Ramones song and we used Blitzkrieg Bop in, during the um, uh, during the beer fest competition where we started coming back and beating the Germans and then yeah. we took that out and put like a German tune in uh, but there were there were songs in there that we had to dump, but there are some of those major ones that we were allowed to keep, and really it makes so you it just that, makes all the fucking difference. Yeah, it makes in the world. Your, it makes your movie, you know, and and that's the beauty. Unfortunately, it's just super fucking expensive, and you know, and and a pain in the ass to negotiate. Yeah, and and it's unfortunate that it's gotten to that point. Like anything else in the business, it's just hard to get get it done because it's lawyers and music supervisors and paperwork and contracts and. Just to put a fucking song in your montage. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. By the way, he, he Robinov came up to me and told me I was a crazy motherfucker. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. 
he he was like that's the head of uh, he was the head of Warner Brothers. Like he, he he was like you're crazy motherfucker Finkelstein. <laughs> he's like you're crazy oh he loved you because you were you were a jewish hero yeah you're crazy dude (laughs) but i think also it was like a couple because a couple guys were like they were like how do you how do you act at a movie and go fucking go kill yourself like that like make yourself look that stupid right they're like you're crazy yeah fuck it whatever bro all right so that's a little insight into putting music into movies which is complicated i'm sure we didn't explain it that well but you know here, you know what? Why, There's why all you, kinds of fun stories. While you do your done. outro, I'm going to do a little outro music softly underneath you. Okay. Go, keep going. So that uh, right there is, uh, you know, the story about putting music in movies. And, and you know, it's complicated and uh, you never quite get what you need. But you still can make those magic. You can still make those magic moments with the right music. And sometimes it's the unsigned bands, the band you never heard from, like Super Troopers. Sometimes it's ACDC. And sometimes it's Poison. I guess that's why they said every rose has its thorn. Do we have to pay with rights for that? For this? Just like every night. We'll let nerds deal with that. Uh, thank you, everybody. Just I hope like you enjoyed our music in movies cowboy. episode, and uh, we'll song. talk to you next week. Every rose has its thorn. Now leaving nerdist.com. dot <laughs>